Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one on two. And Jost. McKinnon. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Into another episode of the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. I'm your host today, AJ Hayfley, hanging out by myself as Jesse Montano continues to spar with the creature known as life. So it's me today. I had a few other things that uh, I was trying to get lined up, but it was not in the cards. Also, I've had spotty internet, so everything has kind of been a mess today. So, you're getting me on uh, what should be a little bit of a shorter show than the last couple of episodes. Uh, Once again, want to give Nathan Rudolph a big thank you for coming on and talking with me the last couple of days about the draft. He will definitely be back at some point. I don't know when that is. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's Friday. Maybe it's next week. I'm not sure. We're still working all that out as we kind of go day by day here. For me, though, I am here. We are going to move away from the draft a little bit today. I want to talk about free agency. I want to talk about what Colorado has to do with some of their own guys here. There's been a lot of talk already about Artemi Panarin and Jeff Skinner and Anders Lee and Brock Nelson and Kevin Hayes and all these guys that are headed into free agency. A little bit about Michael Furland. All these cats are headed into free agency. Very intriguing. Uh, Colorado can be making decisions on lots of these guys. Chasing after whichever ones they want. But before they do all that, they have to figure out which of their own guys they want to get taken care of here. As of right now, they have six guys under contract at the forward position that uh, that finished the year on the on the NHL roster. Just six. Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, Carl Soderberg, Matt Calvert, Matt Nieto, and Tyson Jost. That is it. That is the extent of the list. Here in segment number one, I want to focus primarily on one guy and talk about whether or not to bring him back because I think some of these other conversations are pretty easy. Just run through them really quickly. Miko Rantanen, he's obviously coming back. What that deal looks like, that's an entirely different show. Uh, for another day. Uh, JT Comfort, Alexander Kerfoot, both guys that are obviously coming back. Vladislav Kamenev should definitely be back as well. No reason not to bring those guys back. 
Derek Broussard and Gabriel Bork, I think, are both obvious candidates to be let go. Uh, Derek Broussard being let go would bring back a sixth-round pick in next year's draft. Uh, the third-rounder Colorado used uh, would still convey to Florida, but they would get a sixth in return. Not a great return on that deal. Um, took, a, took a swing on a veteran player, and it looks like the bottom sort of fell out of uh, Broussard's career. It's an unfortunate result for Colorado, but hopefully... Another failed to trade deadline acquisition will convince them that they just don't do very much, especially when you're nibbling around the edges and you're making very, very minor deals. Uh, they historically, they, they just don't have a major impact on things. And I think it's time for the team to, to, to maybe just move away from participating in the first place. Moving on, that leaves two guys left. One in RFA and one in UFA, and we're going to talk about the UFA first. Because I think Colin Wilson has a really interesting case here. He is 29 years old. Uh, he will turn 30 in the fall. He is coming off of a 27-point season, which was a nice improvement from the 18-point season he put up his first year in Colorado. Uh, he had 12 goals and 15 assists. In those 27 games, he followed it up with a very strong performance in the postseason with four goals, four assists for eight points in 12 games and provided a legitimate second-line spark that the Avalanche badly needed in the postseason and was inarguably one of their better forwards uh, in, the, in the playoffs. What to do with him now becomes a very legitimate question. His contract, the four-year deal that he signed uh, back in 2015 with Nashville, coming off of his only 20-goal season and a career-high 42 points, which he has not replicated since and, to be honest, hasn't really come that close. He did have a 70-point year, or I'm sorry, a 35-point year in 70 games uh, in 16-17 the second year of that contract, but by then it became obvious that Colin Wilson 20 goal scorer was an aberration and not the norm. Uh, Nashville moved on from him. Colorado used just a fourth round pick. Now on the exact opposite side, I just said, you know, Derek Broussard, I feel like the Colin Wilson deal paid for itself pretty, pretty easily. Uh, you know, two having two years to do it obviously will help, but the big thing with Wilson for me his, in his time here in Colorado, 56 games played in year one, 65 games played in year two. That's a lot of missed time. And that was kind of the feeling that I had was he was pretty consistently banged up throughout his time here uh, the last two seasons. If he wasn't, if he wasn't hurt, he was fighting, he was fending off some sort of injury and it just never really felt like we saw a really truly healthy Colin Wilson until the very end. Uh, he was very good in the final 20 games of the regular season as Colorado made a push for the playoffs and as previously mentioned, very good once he got in the playoffs, which continues a bit of a trend for him. He's been a very good postseason player in uh, several of the years in which he's played on teams that made it. You know, he's, it's funny, it's been a little all or nothing for him. Uh, you know, he's he's had some years where he's got six games played, and he has just one point. 
And then he's got other years where, you know, he has five points in six games, 13 points in 14 games, eight points in 12 games, you know, where he's very productive. So kind of a, kind of a all, all or nothing for him when it comes to postseason production, but 33 points in 65 playoff games. So it's a postseason performer for you. And a guy, you know, a guy that has that reputation a little bit uh, as, as that kind of guy. Now, going into the market, again, he's 29 right now. He'll be 30 at the start of the, re- at the, start of the regular season. He played so well down the stretch that I know I certainly started wondering aloud, you know, maybe, maybe you do bring this guy back. Maybe this is a guy that you consider, you know, for, for a role for you because you could bring him back and not ask him to play the minutes he was, you know, not ask him to be a second line guy. And it was not like he was getting significant minutes with the avalanche here. He, he averaged 13, 33 of ice time last season. Um, So that's, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy that was very middle of your group, your forward group. uh, And a lot of nights in even strength time on the low end of it. Uh, so, you know, his production, you know, 27 points in production tied with Jason Spezza for 26th most amongst UFA um, free agents this summer. Obviously, some of these guys will resign. He'll move up that list, et cetera, et cetera. All those things will happen. But 27 points tied for 26th in uh, amongst the US UFA forwards uh, this year. That is... That right there makes you say, "Hey, maybe, maybe, don't be in a rush." You know, you're you don't need to be in a rush to pay bottom six guys. If you're looking at what the Avalanche already have uh, and what you expect back, the bottom six is kind of where you expect it to be a strength. Obviously, Colorado's top line is very good, but between Matt Nieto and Matt Calvert, Carl Soderberg, Tyson Jost, uh, J.T. Comfer, Vladislav Kamenev. Those are all going to be bottom six guys next season. Um, most likely bottom six guys next season if things go well. Uh, and, and you know, barring whatever other signings and all that. Colin Wilson is not a guy that you're going to bring back to play on your second line. And so the role that he fulfilled this year where he kind of moved around the lineup, always valuable. Because then you know that you can slot him in anywhere. Uh, one of the other the other guy that we haven't talked about, Sven Andragetto, is also a restricted free agent this year. Is another guy that moved around the lineup quite a bit, the same way that Wilson did, but he did it with far less effectiveness. And I think that's a big reason why we might see Andragetto get let go uh, and not given a qualifying offer, um, and why Wilson might be in the conversation to be brought back. The thing, the thing that I would do, and and the approach that I would take with Colin Wilson, I think that there's there's he's he's a proven NHL player. He's an effective player. He's a he's not a high end guy. You know, you're not going to get even forty points out of him. I would say is a pretty safe bet. Um, I think he's an okay player, but I again, I just twenty seven points, and that's with the guy playing pretty well. Um. And, and again, dealing with injuries, how, how, you know, certainly it's not going to be a contract of any length. You're not going to give him a four or five year deal, anything like that. I wouldn't even give him a three year deal. 
Um, so you're looking at a one or a two year deal. He can't he can't really justify making the four million dollars, the just under four million dollars he was making. You're probably looking at two and a half to three million. Uh, although, you know, last year, you know, Colin Wilson had 27 points. You know, the Avs signed Matt Calvert for 2.85 million in free agency last year. Matt Calvert, 26 points, and that's in 82 games. So. It's not like you're going to get a major discount out of Colin Wilson. Uh, just using Calvert as the comp there. Uh, although Calvert, um, you know, obviously different players, different roles. But using that as a comp, Colin Wilson's going to say, hey, I'm I'm not taking much of a of a break from my th- the $3.9 million he earned this year. I think he's probably going to look at 325 uh, in that range and realistically and he would have a he would have a pretty good leg to stand on there so does would Colorado want to commit that to an, another bottom six guy you know and then over an, another couple of years you know where where Colorado is going to have some strength here is in forward depth uh coming up pushing up against the NHL you know you're going to have Martin Kaut you're going to have Shane Bowers you're going to have AJ Greer um, I guess even, you know, we could get even deeper into that list if, you know, Dominic Toninato is still probably likely going to be around, although he is also an RFA. Um, you know, Nick Henry, Logan O'Connor, these are all guys, you know, Ty Lewis, these are all guys that you're talking about could could be pushing in the next two seasons at some point for a bottom six job. Uh, you don't necessarily want to lock it down with Colin Wilson, although there is comfort in a guy like Wilson because you know what you're getting. You're getting a proven pro, but you also know that there's a ceiling there, that there's a hard ceiling. And while he's he's a versatile and effective player, when you have this much money in free agency, if you're going to go out, if they're going to go out and they're going to get two forwards, there's not really room for Colin Wilson and for you to allow uh, room for growth for your young guys to, to push up and to continue in. Now, if you go out and, and if Colorado goes out and they strike out on a couple of guys, this is the approach I would take with Colin Wilson. They strike out on a couple of, of the bigger guys, uh, the higher money guys, and they just need a stopgap for a year. And they say, okay, well, we'll take, we'll take our, our chances in free agency next year with a different class because we're not just going to sign somebody to a big money deal just to say we did it, then, you know, then maybe on July 3rd, you have that second wave of free agency and Colorado knows they've missed out on some guys uh, and they've, they've moved on. And then if Colin Wilson is still out there, because I guess I'm having a hard time seeing Colin Wilson as, as a priority guy, you know, as somebody, hey, we've got to get this guy. There's so much forward talent available in this year's uh, free agent class that I think it's it would make a lot of sense if he was more of a second wave guy. I can't imagine he's a third wave guy, but if he's more of a second wave free agency kind of guy that's still looking for a job on July second or or later in you know later in the day on July first, and then if the Avs were to to circle back around and say, hey, let's do a two year deal at three and a half million. Uh, just to, you know, just to, to shore up that forward core, bring him back, and we missed out on some other guys. 
That's not the worst thing that can happen. It would be a disappointment because Colorado has set everybody up for them to go a lot bigger in free agency. And you certainly hope that they've become a destination again for these top guys. You know, the the class, again, Panarin. Um, I guess I'll consider them just because they're on the list. But Duchesne, Pavelski, Skinner, Nyquist, Ryan Dezingle, Kevin Hayes, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, Brett Connolly, Matt Zuccarello, Michael Furlan, Jordan Eberle, Jonas Donskoy, Marcus Johansson, Brandon Tanev. You know, there are some interesting, interesting names all down that list. Varied levels of effectiveness, varied levels of roles that they would play should they come to Colorado. But it's the point is that it's a deep forward group, at least today. Obviously, we expect some re-signings to take place over the next month or so. But as of right now, a deep, a deep forward group. And because of that, I'm not making Colin Wilson a priority. I would I would keep him in mind. I would stay in touch with him. I would definitely make contact with the agent and say, "Hey, these are this is this is kind of what we're looking to do. What kind of contract expectations do you guys have?" And you know, maybe maybe that financially it's not a, a fit. You know, maybe it's not something that they can they they would end up being able to justify, but. I think I think it's he's an interesting guy. He, he was he obviously was able to help the Avalanche last year. I think the best best approach is not don't no need to be in a hurry to resign him. They have plenty of other work to do between now and then. But uh, let him go out and test the market. You could try to replace him. Like there are twenty five guys in free agency this year that scored more points than him. So. There's a lot of opportunity for improvement. Even if, you know, some of these guys are unrealistic targets, still. They're they're targets for somebody. Basically the only one of the the only two of these guys that I I don't think are going to be targets for maybe anybody might be Joe Thornton and Justin Williams. And if they are targets for somebody, they're not going anywhere. I, I can't imagine those guys leave and, and start over somewhere else at that at the stages of their careers that they're in. So, Colin Wilson, I think an interesting guy. I wouldn't hate it if they they dropped a press release on us tomorrow that says Colin Wilson's been re-signed for a year, um, two years. I wouldn't hate it. I just think that they have bigger priorities right now. They need to try and go a little bit bigger, and that's a safe fallback plan. If you lose out on him because you make him a fallback plan, first of all, good for him because somebody prioritized him. Um, but I'm... I'm of the opinion that he he'll probably be out there uh, in that second wave of free agency, and if need be, you can always circle back around. Uh, you have a good relationship with them. He's he fits into the locker room. He's a good guy, et cetera, et cetera. That's gonna do it here. Segment number one, uh, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am going to. Uh, break down a little bit more of the free agents uh, situation on Colorado's cap sheet, get into a little bit more there. You know, we've got an interesting conversation on defense, got some goaltender stuff to get into. So we'll do that. When I come back on the other side, don't go anywhere. Uh, it's BSN Avalanche podcast. 
If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we can cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. All right, welcome back in second segment. Second segment here, my goodness, of the BSN Avalanche podcast. Presented by Total Bev. I am the host today, and I guess the guest and the analyst and the all of it today. I am AJ Hayfley, here by myself with just AJ Hayfley. Hanging out with you guys on, I actually have no idea what kind of weather it was today. It's been snowy and cold this week, so I just decided to stay in the house and not mess with any of that because it's May and ain't got time for none of that. So, with that in mind, uh, I am going to continue looking at Colorado's cap sheet here. I think we have an interesting conversation. I feel like Patrick Nemeth, as an unrestricted free agent, that's a guy that you can probably let walk just because of the current depth on on defense but his performance at the end of the season and throughout and really throughout the year uh, made it so that you it's going to hurt a little bit you'll you'll miss the contributions especially if there's a rash of injuries next season um having a top 6 of Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, Ian Cole Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, and Nikita Zadorov. You can easily look at it and say, look, Patrick Nemeth isn't better than any of those guys. And as a result, you know, can't, uh, can't, can't do anything about it. You know, just, just, just a numbers game, especially when he made 2.5 million last year, he is going to be a free agent this summer, meaning probably going to get a raise. Uh, could get a raise into the into the high threes and low fours if a team really loves him. That's way too rich for my blood uh, for what would be Colorado's seventh defenseman. Ryan Graves proved himself plenty capable last season. He is an RFA this summer. They also still have Mark Barbario under contract for next season. Barbario was a guy who had a very strong year last year. Um, and then this past season, I guess, I guess I should say strong year two years ago, cause we are now done with this year. This ugh, still, still too soon, but Barbario dealt with all kinds of injuries this year, only got into 12 games. Um, it seemed like every time he was healthy, he would randomly disappear again. 
and just couldn't couldn't seem to ever really get it going. You know, there was never any kind of rhythm for him. And it showed. I mean, it's it's difficult. You can't you they could not rely on him to get into games because he was never healthy. It was always something dinging him up. Uh, and I think that, to be honest with you, I'd be surprised if this happened, but he would be a buyout candidate this summer. Um, if if they really felt strongly that they needed to, to, to add, to keep somebody else on that blue line, or if they were looking to add somebody else to that blue line. I, I Again, I would be surprised, but... That's also a guy that low-key could go down and with the defense with the Eagles in such flux as well as Mason Gertzen, David Warsawski, Anton Lindholm, and Sergey Boykov all have expiring contracts of their own. You're talking about a guy in Barbario who might be able to go down there and give some help uh, to, to a defense that needed a guy like him, you know, needed a good skater who could provide a little bit of offensive punch. We've seen him be a prolific uh, point producer in the AHL in his career. And with Connor Timmins, Nick Malosh, Josh Anderson, Mark Alt is really, you know, as the captain of last year's Eagles team, you know, Mark Alt is, is the veteran guy with Warsawski set to leave the organization. Uh, so if, if the Avs wanted to go with Ryan Graves as their seventh defenseman and only run 7D uh, on the team, Barbario is a candidate for them. They could send him down to Loveland and, you know, he would be an expensive Eagle at 1.45 million, but that money is essentially spent no matter what they do. So, you know, they could keep him and he could be an Eagle. He could continue to be depth for them in the NHL. We've seen him, you know, both good and bad. We know that there's upsides and downsides to Barbario playing. Uh, when he's playing well, he's pretty effective. When he's not, he's a he's a, he's a real adventure out there. But that's that's the nature of third pairing defensemen. That's the same exact conversation we had for Patrick Nemeth. Um, so you know we're it's an interesting it's an interesting look. Uh, Nemeth though, it just feels like it's a numbers game, and it honestly it just it just seems like through no fault of his own, he kind of lost his job as Colorado's younger guys kind of caught up to him. Uh, you know, when Patrick Nemeth was claimed, Kale McCarr was a freshman at UMass. Sam Gerrard was in, you know, in in Nash in the Nashville organization. And Nikita Zadorov was still trying to find who he was. And so when he got here, he filled an important role and he did a good job. And he worked his way into the lineup, earned that trust and had had back to back solid seasons. The guy was the guy was rock solid. You know that crazy plus minus he had last year, very predictably came back down to earth, but got into games and you know the guy he's just a solid defenseman, and I'll you know ultimately I think he leaves Colorado this summer, but he'll he'll land somewhere and be a good you know good player for somebody. I like him. He's a good dude, kind of an understated goofy guy. Um, really no complaints. I mean, Nemo's Nemo is a great guy for your room and just a, a very reliable low, low pairing option for a team that needs it. And for once Colorado's not that team. I mean, for years, Colorado has been a team that has been running out guys that don't belong, like 
just did not belong in the NHL. And now they have too many of them. And with Nick Malosh and Connor Timmins kind of pushing up against the NHL as well, potentially them maybe drafting another defenseman in the top five uh, in, in June's draft. You know, that's not a guy that in Nemeth that you really want to commit to. If you really wanted to play it safe, they have the cap space to, to overpay him to be a seventh defenseman, a rotational sixth guy for you. Um, you always have injuries, and as a strictly seventh defenseman, I would imagine he's one of the better ones out there. I haven't looked at all 31 teams in, in, when saying that, but I would have to believe that as just as a, as a team's seventh guy, he'd have to be one of the better ones around. He's a legit NHL guy, and there are a lot of seventh defensemen out there that you can say are not that. We've seen that certainly proven true here in Colorado over the last 10 years. So, speaking of defensemen and contracts, Ryan Graves, an RFA, eligible for arbitration. I'd be shocked if it got to that point. Uh, he was acquired you know, last year in a deadline deal from the Rangers organization, straight up for Chris Begra. Was okay with the rampage. Was oh, you know, was solid with the Eagles. wasn't wasn't anything special. Got in his turn. Colorado was pretty much rotating, looking for help. Uh, Ryan Graves stepped up. Ended up with five points in twenty six games. Uh, just just two penalty minutes, and you know, was a was a plus four. You know, I'm not not a big proponent of plus four, but or of, of plus minus. But uh, if it's not deep in the negatives, then you know, I don't, I don't really have anything to say about it. Uh, it's he, and the thing with Graves was I, I kept expecting the bottom to fall out and he, he would get into the lineup and he would play his game. He would be aggressive. He had, he played with confidence. And that's one of the big things that you really see guys struggle with, especially guys, his age at 24, uh, struggle with when they get an opportunity is that they need a couple of games to settle their nerves down you know they need they need some ice time to really figure out okay what I can get away with and what I can't. He didn't do any of that. He got into games and he just played hockey. He played his game. He played he played a game true to himself, true to his abilities. You never felt like he was overextending. He made smart decision after smart decision and showed a tremendous hockey IQ that was able to help buoy what I would say was pretty limited physical ability. He's got a nice slap shot from the point and so you love you love that about him maybe you know there's nothing wrong with getting a couple of goals from your blue line from guys that can rip it we see that was the door off but like Zadorov, not going to create a whole lot of offense not going to be a guy that that does a lot of you know carrying the puck through the neutral zone and stressing opposing defenses but he makes good decisions with the puck and to be honest with you i thought he was a legitimate revelation and when certain guys were struggling on the defense, there there was always the argument of you can go to Ryan Graves because he has shown, you know, in 26 games, it's not a, it's not a huge number, obviously, but I would venture to say that 22 of those games, I really liked what he did. There were only one or two games where I thought, oh boy, this is a really big problem. And there were a couple of blah games where he did a lot of good and a lot of bad in the same night. So I was pretty impressed with what Ryan, with the Avalanche were able to get out of Ryan Graves. I do hope that they bring him back again. 
Uh, I, there's really no reason not to. There's no reason not to at least give that guy just a qualifying offer and even, you know, okay, great. You know, go from go from there. He, uh, coming off of a one-year deal, um, I think he's earned a one-way contract for sure. And that should be that should be something that the Avs reward him with, regardless of whether or not he's in the NHL or not. Let that man make some make some cash, you know. Give him, you know. Last year he his cap hit uh, his NHL salary was six hundred fifty thousand. Give him eight hundred fifty thousand. Make it a one way deal. Obviously, it's not my money. I'm not the one spending nearly a million dollars on a guy that might be your seventh or eighth defenseman, but I I. Don't see a world in which he's not worth that that money. I, I just don't. If you even wanted to bump it up to nine hundred thousand or a million, fine, that's fine too. I'm not gonna not gonna. I'm I'm not going to care about that contract number, whatever it ends up being. For his sake, I hope it's a one way deal, and that he makes bank no matter where he ends up playing because he certainly earned it with the way that he helped bail the Avs out last year. Uh, I do think that I do think that they want to be a little bit careful with the uh, with the term on him. I I would just do one year, really. I would not mess with anything else. I would just do one. Um, the other one, Nikita Zadorov, that's going to be a complicated one. I would bet my life that goes to arbitration, and that whatever the number is that they settle on, because um, it you know. Zadorov might be asking for some crazy money, and uh, he he can't justify it. He just he just can't. The seven goals are nice, but when you only have seven assists to back that up, and you're you have fourteen points, and you have thirty four points in two seasons, you do not have the offense to ask for big 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 numbers. Teams don't pay big money for hits in the NHL anymore. It's not the way that this works uh, these days, and there are way too many. There are way too many statistics and, and things that come into this nowadays uh, to prove a player's value. What will help Zadorov is that his underlying numbers, a lot of the advanced analytics, are definitely favorable for him. And that should help him in his case to uh, get a hefty raise. I do think that whatever happens, if they're not able to come to a long-term deal, which I would not even have that conversation if I'm the Avs, um, Keeping, keeping the flexibility on that defense uh, moving forward as roles continue to develop and while the Tyson Berry question looms over everything, I think you don't want to commit long-term money to anybody right now uh, unless unless they wanted to sign Sam Gerrard, uh, which they are eligible to do this summer to an extension early. That probably, from Gerrard's camp, it wouldn't make any sense. You want another full season to try and put up more offensive numbers. Points pay. So... Um, with Zadorov, I think we're probably looking at a case that goes to arbitration. We might even get a hearing out of that one, and we'll we'll probably see a two-year uh, deal. He does have three years of RFA left, so that gives uh, that that gives them a little bit of buffer coming out of uh, out of that case. Uh, if they do want the two-year deal, I don't know what the upside. I don't know what the point of a one-year deal is because then you're just doing the exact same thing next season, and you know, if you can avoid headaches, why wouldn't you do that? I know I would certainly love to avoid headaches because they are awful. And on that delightful note, we'll finish up here with the second segment. Um, 
going to come back on the other side. I want to get into a little bit of the contracts for Kerfoot, Comfer, and then take a quick peek at goaltending. We have a pretty good idea of what we think that they are up to, but just in case, uh, just in case that's not that 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 is not what they're up to, it's good to cover your bases and uh, take a look at it. So don't go anywhere. We will do that. We I will do that on the other side. It's the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. All right, welcome back in third and final segment here of the Wednesday edition of the BSN Avalanche podcast. Going to open up this segment by telling you guys about your favorite game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives with incredible reviews. Make sure that you check them out if you haven't already. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, help decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off and use promo code BSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. I am AJ Hayfley. This is the third and final segment, as previously mentioned, of today's BSN Avalanche podcast. Gonna talk a little bit here about what to do with the two kids that they have at forward. JT Comfer, Alexander Kerfoot. Kerfoot will turn 25 in August. And Comfort just turned 24. So a little bit different situations in terms of age, although certainly not much. Uh, With Comfort, you have an interesting guy. 66 games played this year, and I want to start with him, obviously, because I'm starting with him. 66 games played this year, uh, missed some time yet again. Same as as last year. Uh, Last season, he had 69 games played. Nice. Uh, but had 23 points this year, three fewer games played, bumped it up to 32 points. Uh, that's all good and well. Like, that's great. That's a great start. Um, progression. That's what you want to see. A guy moving up. He followed up last year's three assists in six playoff games by having four goals and two assists for a six-point playoff year in 12 games. Again, Progression. Although, I mean, the rates are exactly the same as last year. Scored four goals this year, and anybody that watched those postseason knows that when he was on, he was on. And he was a huge reason that they won game six against the San Jose Sharks. So, JT Comfer, what do you pay him? For me, this is a guy that you give a two-year deal to. And... I just don't I don't know that you can give him a long-term deal. 
Uh, I think you could give him a long-term deal and be totally comfortable. Give him like a five-year contract. But the money would be not very high. You'd be, you know, three and a half million dollars would be the kind of money that you're talking about because it's all still, um, he's got three RFA years remaining. I believe. I think it's three. Yeah. And so you're talking a five-year deal would not, you know, you'd, you'd buy a couple of UFA years, but not many. It would be... It would be bold to give him that kind of commitment. I think he's a he's a great character guy. He's a good identity guy. Buys into everything that they're doing. A guy that showed a nice step forward this year. And certainly if he can stay healthy, uh, you feel like that's something that you definitely want. But uh, has not done that yet. Has not stayed healthy. Two full NHL seasons. Again, 69 games played, 66 games played. So... It's a it's a consideration. You want to see what happen. You want to see what happens if, if if he can stay healthy and have an eighty two game season, and what it looks like when he does. Both of those are valuable uh, pieces of information when you're talking about a guy's long term career. If you wanted to take the chance and sign him long term and say, hey, these things haven't happened yet, uh, we want to get you at a cheap number. I don't know why the player would say yes to that outside of a team, basically saying, hey, here's you know here's. $13 million guaranteed. Uh, no matter what happens the rest of your career, you'll always be able to say that, hey, you had these $13 million or whatever. And that's, again, not nothing. If somebody offered me $13 million tomorrow, I'd probably say yes to that. Even if it meant giving up, you know, $20 million down the road. For me, I don't know what I, I don't, I don't know what I would do with $33 million uh, that I can't do with 13. So, but that's just me, and I'm a peasant, and I'm not the one looking at the future involving millions of dollars. So again, easy for me to look at it that way. For him, you know, you always want to maximize your earning potential uh, and and make as much money as you can and capitalize on uh, your professional sports career because you've got to make an entire life out of that. You've got to stretch 80 years out of out of maybe a 15 year career if you if you are very very lucky. Um, so Comfort, you know, again, I don't know why he would do the long-term deal because it would come at such a cheap price. I think the smart thing for both sides is the two-year deal and you probably give him, um, I, I, I do think that he's a guy that you can give three, three and a half million to. He's versatile. Uh, he's, he's shown an ability to, to score goals for you. He plays in a lot of different situations. He's a very valuable piece of your team. Um, you can give him three million as an RFA, and you know he's again using Matt Calvert here. He outscored; he's outscored Matt Calvert, uh, so he should get more money than him, even as an RFA. I think that that's fair. Um, I am curious what his role is moving forward. I definitely don't see him as a long-term top six guy anymore. I thought there was potential for it, but after last season, I don't think that that's it. I don't, I don't think that's in the cards for him. I think he's a guy that can moonlight as a top six guy who can fill in when you need it and uh, move around your lineup and be very valuable. He certainly has uh, the chops to produce offensively from time to time. I think he's just lacking the consistency, the finish. Um, to, 
uh, to, to rely on him in that kind of role. The guy that you do uh, have an ability to rely on in that role, it's strange. He's a very polarizing guy, but Alexander Kerfoot, first two years in, in the NHL, despite his uh, lack of size, 79 games played, 78 games played, 43 points, 42 points. Went from 19 goals in his rookie year to 15 goals this season. Uh, the big question is three assists in 12 playoff games for Kerfoot in the postseason this past year. Definitely a disappointment there, especially because he was playing uh, in 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 the top six, without a doubt. You know, and especially when he was on that top line with Landis Goggin McKinnon on the right side, taking Rantanen's spot uh, for a little while there, and then he would he moved around, but he was a top six guy consistently for them. And three assists in twelve games, he just didn't get it done. However, this is a guy that has. Uh, 85 points across the last two seasons. Uh, and when you're looking at secondary scoring and you're looking at who's produced and and who hasn't, you know, this is, this is a guy that has gotten it done. You know, last year we saw Carl Soderberg have a very nice uh, bounce back, not really bounce back, he bounced back the year before, but went reverted back to his career norms of uh, the the high 40s. You know, he had a 49-point season following a 37-point season. Uh, he has one more point than Kerfoot in the last two seasons uh, combined. And as a, as a guy that's going to be in his 30s, making $4.75 million, I think Kerfoot. I think Kerfoot can ask for a contract in that range. I think he can ask for a four million dollar deal. He could ask for four and a half million. Um, I I don't think it would be a shock to me if Alexander Kerfoot signed at four two five million for two seasons uh, this summer. And I would give both Comfer and Kerfoot bridge deals. Uh, I don't want to sign either one of those guys long term. You're still trying to figure out exactly what your long term forward group is. You don't really know who Tyson Jost is yet. You don't want to necessarily commit to any of these guys quite yet. You still have draft picks up and coming. Um, you've got free agency about to, to, to come into play. You've got an expansion draft coming up in a couple of years where there's the, the high probability that you lose one of these guys. So you don't you don't want to commit to any of these guys is what I'm saying. You can continue to just play these these guys year by year. Uh, that's the beauty of the RFA system. You don't have to pay all these guys crazy money. Uh, if they ultimately end up blowing up and earning the big money, then that's a good problem to have. It means that you have good players who are producing, and in no way is that something you should ever complain about. Um, and with Kerfoot, the production isn't always the way that people want it, but the fact that he's been the fifth highest scoring forward for the Avs over the last two seasons... Uh, means he's he's very likely going to get paid this summer, uh, a number that some people may be uncomfortable with. But he's, I mean, flat out, the honest truth is the guy's earned it. You know, we saw... We saw to to, to look at a guy uh, that we're, we're all familiar with in, in Kevin Hayes. You know, he's a sim very similar track as, as Kerfoot. Um, came out in his first, you know, had to played four years of college, signed as a UFA with the Rangers, and across his first two seasons in the NHL, 
You know, he had a 45-point year in his rookie year. Across his two first two seasons, he had 81 points. He had four four points less than what Kerfoot uh, has done. Uh, he was better in the postseason, but he also played way more games. So, uh, and and Kevin Hayes signed a two-year deal for $2.6 million. But that, of course, that deal was signed twenty in 2016. It's a couple years old now, so you can't necessarily um, say, well, Kerfoot should get a $2.6 million deal. That's, you know, not where I was going with that in any way. But that is, that's a guy that, that's that's a good, a good contract comparable. You look at how Hayes did, Kerfoot was just a little bit more productive um, playing in a top six role. And unless the Avs go out and get a handful of guys in free agency, it's fair to expect Kerfoot to be in a top six role again next season. Uh, he's certainly earned it just because he's outproduced all these other guys. So why would you why would you not give him that look? Can you know continue to give him that look? I get that he's a frustrating player at times. Uh, his his willingness to shoot isn't always there, but a guy that's definitely earned uh, some cash this summer, and I could I could see it. I I think a two year deal. In the four million dollar range, maybe a little bit less uh, would be would be appropriate for him. Um, but again, don't go long term on any of these guys just because you have so many things that you're you're still juggling. Um, very quietly, it's time to start talking about Landeskog's next contract because next summer, next summer, one year from now, he'll be eligible for an extension. And so you don't want to go crazy thinking that you have all this money to spend, um, you know, and, and obviously Tyson Berry's free agency is coming up as well. And then you're going to have Sam Gerrard, Tyson Jost. Uh, if those guys earn big money deals, then they've taken huge steps forward. And that's a great thing for you. Uh, Kale McCarr, you expect you want to sign him to a lifetime contract. I mean, obviously you can't do that, but you would very much like to sign him to as long a contract as you possibly can. Uh, in in a couple of summers, maybe even next summer, you get out ahead of it and just say we're going to give this guy all the years and all the money right away. But point is, you want to be conservative here. You want to be careful with committing too much money uh, long term. They've done a great job of keeping their cap sheet clean. They can they've they've done a great job of going kind of year by year and allowing them to assess current value. You could see you know with Ranton in the ELC. That, that approach kind of hurt them a little bit. But Ranton and also in his agent uh, were, not, were not interested in uh, extending and signing a long-term deal last year. Um, and it takes two to tango. You know, you can't make Ranton and sign a long-term deal if he doesn't want to. It's, it's not, you know, the, the guy hasn't, a, he has a choice here. Uh, and his his choice was he didn't want to do it last summer. It was a smart move by him. He's earned himself a lot of money this summer, uh, and we might you know we might see that again down the road. So I think that when it comes to putting all these pieces together, a very a very a conservative approach I think would be the wise uh, the wisest decision here. You could get aggressive with some of these guys if you really wanted to, but. I feel like Miko is the only one that you're really saying we'd love to give him a long-term deal. I don't know that his representatives want that. I think that we might see the return of the bridge deal for some high-paid players this year. 
because of what has what happened a couple of years ago. Everybody talks about the Nathan McKinnon contract and how out of whack it is. Nathan McKinnon's not alone. Right around that same time frame, uh, Johnny Gaudreau signed. Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau, 6.75 million, 99 points. That guy's an absolute steal right now. Elias Lindholm just had uh, a career year, point per game year. He's not even making $5 million a year. David Pasternak... You know, one of the one of the most productive and electric players in all of hockey today is coming off of an, an his second consecutive eighty point season, and he's making six point six million dollars. Those long term deals for these guys have absolutely guaranteed that they are wildly underpaid, and it's because everybody oh McKinnon is by far the the greatest value contract in the NHL. There's a group, a whole group of guys that all signed contracts right around the same time, right before the cap had the big explosion, that are all amazing value for their team right now. Mark Scheifele makes $6.125 million, and he's coming off of a 38-goal season. He had 84 points. That is crazy pants. The value that these teams are getting out of these guys right now is it's just downright exceptional. It's just exceptional. So I think that we might see, because of that, we're seeing so many of these young guys losing out on earning potential because they signed these long-term deals because it's hard for it's hard for a young guy. You know, it's hard for Mark Shifley to, to, to look at a contract and say, you know, Winnipeg Jets are offering him $50 million. $50 million knowing that he's going to get another chance to sign a big lucrative uh, contract again in his at some point in his career assuming he continues to play really well and he has a great career but even if he doesn't boom homeboy banked 50 million in his career guaranteed it's hard for a guy in his early 20s to say no to that but i do think that because of those because of those deals uh we're going to see the repercussions uh this summer patrick line um, Matthew Kachuk, Miko Rantanen, Sebastian Ajo. It would not surprise me if some of these guys took two-year deals at high AAVs and said, "Hey, we, you know, it'd be great to get me nine million this summer, but two years from now, I could get twelve million over. Then we can do an eight-year deal. You know, and that way, that guy feels like he's getting maximum over his career. It sucks for the teams who are hoping for crazy cost efficiency, but." Some of those contract those contracts are coming at a price right now, and I think that the agents are seeing that. And there will still be some players who say, "I've got to, I want to lock it down. I I want I want to be here. I want to get you know this is where I want to be. This is where I want to play. I don't care what the number is. You sign it. I'm going to be fairly compensated. I trust my agent, and then I'm going to get out of here. And if he ends up being great value, then he ends up being great value. But it's you know it's as, as much as it's like, oh, Nathan McKinnon left all this money on the table, you know, it's it's not like he's not making $44 million in his in his 20s. You know, McKinnon will be a free agent uh, when he's 27. So, you know, um, 28. So he's going to be able to make that up again. You know, he'll be a, maybe a $16 million player by by 2023. So, 
you're talking about a you're talking about crazy money uh but i think that it's going to come at the cost of these guys are going to have these bridge deals i think we're going to see the the rise of the bridge deal again this summer i'd love to be wrong about that and for miko ranton in to sign an eight-year deal worth nine billion dollars in which he immediately becomes good value uh, and and over the course of those eight years becomes even better value uh, in the last couple of years of that deal as they as that would buy out UFA years at a at a wonderful price, especially with Seattle coming in and and the cap going up. I think that will be a big thing, is that players players are either you know player players are going to get contracts that are filled with signing bonuses and upfront money. So that they become buyout proof and uh, players waiting for Seattle to come in uh, to, to sign long-term contracts. So that they can see the boost in, in the cap and then it can that money can go into their pocket instead of being like, well, I've got five more years on this deal to wait, you know, to, to try and get mine again. So that's how I think it's going to play out. I promise some goaltender talk. Uh, I'll do it very quickly. I think that the Avalanche are looking to bring back Pavel Francouz as their backup and then uh, go from there. They'll look for another veteran to be the th- number th- three guy. Um, I, I, It just makes too much sense. Uh, obviously, anything is possible, but that's where I think they look. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that Varley is headed to free agency and the team is comfortable with with him moving on, uh, if that's ultimately what happens. He's earned an opportunity to go look for a starting gig elsewhere uh, and certainly to not take backup money uh, in, in Colorado. That's going to do it here for me today. Uh, talking to myself, I do want to thank everybody for all of the uh, positive feedback that we've gotten over the last couple of days. Uh, as I had Nathan on the show, certainly, again, looking to do that again soon. Um, got some other things that I'd like to do uh, on the podcast coming up. Hopefully, Jesse digs himself out of his hole at some point and also makes a triumphant return. Um, but for now, day by day, one day at a time. It's good you know, uh, we're, we're all day to day was one of the things that we learned from this, this avalanche season is that we're all day to day on that delightful note. I'm going to let you guys know about our main sponsor. The ones that give us the love total beverage. They have a really awesome deal for BSN listeners. You already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they're also delivering in to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. They're offering a $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to, send, to save $10 off a $50 purchase for any and all parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Download the Total Beverage app. Use promo code BSN10 for $10 off that order. Make sure you do that. Get 10 bucks off your next liquor delivery today. That does it for me. I have been AJ Hayfley. I will continue to be AJ Hayfley. Hopefully for a long time. Hopefully. This got existential. So I'm going to get out of here. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. I will see you all tomorrow.